Well, the Big D is back with a uh, football feast of phony episode today. Please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. Thanksgiving this week, so uh, thankful for that. Also, check out the Big D podcast for audio audio listeners, Spotify, and Apple. So, ready to join in the feast and watch his Dolphins play in the NFL's first Black Friday game. My football and expert from the UK, uh, Charlie Mullen. So, Charlie, uh, EPO coming back from the international break this week. Final international break of 2023. Both of us are probably glad because I think I think a few of these international breaks have become too long. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dylan, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, all your subscribers. Um, calling me a football expert, uh, I'm still not sure about that, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, yeah, the international breaks, they're... Um, I don't know. Um, when you support Northern Ireland, you have very little interest in the international breaks because you never qualify for any tournaments. So uh, I'm just waiting for the EPL and other leagues to come back um, to sort of give me something to look forward to. But um, yeah, um, I think for the EPL, um, a lot of clubs were sort of finding some form going into the international break. For others, it was a good time. Um, for instance, Tottenham, they lost their last two games, I think. Um, so it's given them a bit of time to firstly get players back fit and healthy. And just secondly, how to sort of cope until James Madison comes back and uh, whoever else is injured and suspended. Oh, the Van der Veen, the, the centre half, he was injured as well. So, um, yeah, it gives uh, Ange Postacoglu a bit of time to come up with a team that um you know can start the international break um on a high and put those two back-to-back defeats behind them but um yeah i'm looking forward to the epl returning this weekend yeah so the theme of this will be football feast or phony so if we like it we're going to say feast and if we don't we'll say phony are there too many international breaks during the course of a of a footballing season phony for me yeah i'm not a i'm not a big fan of them um and i'll tell you in this country in england um the european qualifiers used to be broadcast live um by the sky sports which is the number one sports channel over here um but for the last few years they've decided no we're not going to cover the england matches the scotland matches wales or northern ireland or republic of ireland um so the only matches you can see live on terrestrial tv is the england matches which i think um is the only one that really would get any viewers um so that just shows you what the broadcasters over here think of the international breaks and the fact that they're not being broadcast live kind of makes people go yeah not bothered about you know about the international breaks i think it's more sort of focused on club football these days with the champions league coming back next tuesday and the premier league the most watched league in the world so until the tournaments actually begin the european championships next summer in germany and the world cup after that in america and canada and mexico um i think that's when the international interest peaks and uh, you'll see people getting back into uh, watching international football but the qualifiers even as an england fan for every tournament I can remember, um, apart from the ones that didn't qualify, but um, when they have qualified, they've eased through qualification more more often than not. So even England fans are kind of like, eh, we're top of the league again, top of the group. <sighs> Boring. 
you know, and even the last couple of games, 2-0 against Malta and 1-1 at North Macedonia. I can see what Gareth Southgate was doing. He was trying out fringe players, for instance, to see if they can have an influence on next summer's tournament. Um, some played their way into it, some played their way out of it. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, it's um, phony. I'm not a big fan of uh, international breaks, and I'm glad that the next one isn't until March. So we've got a good run of four months of um, club football to look forward to. To feast on, I should say, to continue your theme. Yeah, in maybe too too many international breaks can be a bad thing because I mean, yeah, we get international. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of international football this summer with uh, the Euros in Germany, Copa America here. Final will be in Miami. Can't wait for that this mm -hmm. July. But I think there's almost too much international football because seemingly these guys play. Maybe not as much as they do for their club side, but these guys play way more football than probably they should. I mean, and we saw a couple of guys get hurt. Uh, who was the uh, who's the uh, PSG midfielder? Oh yes, um, I've forgotten his name. Um, Pierre. Pierre. Excuse me, not. Uh, Warren Zaire Emery heard for France. Uh, Gavi towards mm -hmm. the looks like he'll miss the Euros with Spain. Spain guys seemingly, uh, even the goat Lionel Messi tweaked his groin for Argentina in that crazy game with Brazil in Rio last night. Yeah, we don't want to see scenes like that that we witnessed at the Brazil-Argentina game. It's not good for the sport. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that was just a one-off. Um, but you talk about these international players playing more football than they perhaps ever have. Let's not kid ourselves, Dylan. They're on multi-million pound contracts. They're getting flown from England to Brazil, Argentina, wherever. They're not in economy seats, let's put it that way. They're well looked after. Um, so I wouldn't feel too sorry for them having to travel all that way. Yes, it probably fatigues them, you know, um, but listen, everything will be done to make sure that they're at their peak to play those international matches and also when they return. Um, I do understand the need for the international breaks, for the qualifying process for major tournaments. Um, well, what's the alternative? Have one massive block of like a month where all these matches are played, or do we do it over three international breaks, September, October, November, and then one again in, in March? So I think we have to just put up with that. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a month without club football. Um, injuries will happen. Um, you know, we've heard of freak injuries um, when players aren't playing. So it's just an occupational hazard if you do get injured playing for your country. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's a part of part of the game. Yeah, speaking of international football, think back to the last Euros where Italy beat uh, England on penalties. Mm -hmm. Of course, Italy not made the last couple World Cups. Uh, can Italy make a deep run at the next summer's Euros? Because you think back to 2006, Italy won the World Cup in Germany. Italy are one of those teams that... When they make, when they qualify for a tournament, they know exactly how to maneuver their way through the tournament. Um, 
Recently, it's been difficult for them to qualify for major tournaments like the World Cup and the European Championship. When, when, when they get there, when they're they're in, that last, uh, last year, pardon? North Macedonia, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But when they do get to the major finals, they have enough about them. Uh, they're like Germany. You know, they might struggle in the group stages to qualify for these major tournaments. And okay, uh, we're losing 7-1 to Brazil in, you know, the World Cup a few years back. That was a bit of an anomaly. Or was it the other way around? Sorry, it was Germany who beat Brazil 7-1. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, um, there are times when certain nations who get to the finals, they have this reputation and they do find a way of making it through the group stage at the European Championships or the World Cup. And you know, Italy weren't the best team at the European Championships two, three years ago when they beat England in the final. But they've got very clever players who know how to, you know, look at the game the other night against Ukraine. Unfortunately for Ukraine, obviously the game was played in uh, Germany, in Leverkusen, which takes away the advantage of an, a home game for Ukraine. So that was one factor in it. Secondly, Italy are the masters. I did a piece for work. Italy are the masters. If they have to, if they need a draw to qualify for something, they will get that draw. And it was a nil-nil draw. I mean, um, I predicted that through work uh, on um, bookies.com. So, uh, yeah, one for me uh, for a change. Um, but, um, yeah, um, they are very good at getting a draw if they need a draw. But um, can they go far? Yeah, they can. It depends who's in their group, obviously, when they get to Germany next year. Um, obviously, that's a changed squad to the one that won. The, uh, the Euros a few years ago, um, Cellini's no longer there, Benucci's probably not going to feature for Italy, so there's two of your centre-half, who were two absolute stalwarts and leaders of that team. Um, so this is a new team, new developing team. So, But there's a lot of attacking flair in that Italy team that could go deep. I'm not saying they're going to go to the final and win it, but they could reach the quarterfinals, let's say. I think Italy's biggest problem might be who who the Italians face in a group because with Italy's pot, those guys could end up in a very difficult group. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next Saturday, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, you don't discount Italy because if they get, if they get past, what, the group stage, maybe the round of 16, Italy can always go deep because seemingly Every every major tournament I can remember where Italy can escape the group stage to go deep. Two thousand six made won the World Cup. Uh, made the Euro final in twenty twelve against Spain. Mm -hmm. And then remember what happened in one league, winning the penalty shootouts against uh, Spain and in, in England. Mm -hmm. And. Cellini should have been sent off in that final for uh, for the file on Saka. So um, they are very clever. They know. By the way, by the way, I, by the way, I know Ukrainian fans are probably all going where the penalty was in Leverkusen. I didn't see that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm not the referee, so I'm no, no. No, and let's let's not start talking about VAR because we could be here for several days talking about the impact it's having on the uh, English Premier League, and not in a good way either. 
Uh, speaking of England, should England go into the Euros as favorites? Because seemingly England's been favorites or co-favorites for like the last two or three major tournaments. Semis in the World Cup in Russia. Lost mm-hmm. the final at home. Uh, lost the Euro final to Italy. Lost it to France at the last World Cup. Should England go into the Euros as favorites? Yes, one of the favorites. Uh, whether they're the favourites or uh, or not, I'm not 100% sure, but certainly they should be one of the favourites. I'm just checking to see. They are the 4-1 to favourites as we speak right now. Um, let, let, me, let, me if, let me see if I can guess the top three. France will be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to think Spain's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. Who's the... Germany wouldn't be in front of England, right? No, no, no. England are the favourites. And then oh. it's France. And then it's France. And then somehow they've put Germany ahead of Spain. Now, Wait a I, minute. Germany just sacked its manager before the US game. Yeah. So, but still plenty of time before the tournament gets underway. Certainly England will be one of the favourites. They've got a very settled squad. I know that there's been a lot of chopping and changing in recent matches, but as I said before, Gareth Southgate wants to try out a few players to see whether or not they can perhaps force their way into his squad next summer. Um, but you look at the defence, um, Pickford and goal, very reliable. Um, you've got John Stone, centre-half, Harry Maguire, centre-half, Kieran Trippier, uh, Kyle Walker, very, very solid, very secure back four. Uh, midfield more or less picks itself as well. Uh, you know, you got Jude Bellingham. My God, what a player he already is! What a player he already is. Um, I'm just surprised that no Premier League club went in for him in the summertime to buy him. He is got he will win plenty of ballon doors, that is for sure, if he continues the way he is. But there's no reason to suggest that he won't. So, yeah, um, Jude Bellingham in midfield. Uh, and then the attacking options is just frightening. Um, you know, you can pick any three from seven, eight world-class players. Yeah, and Harry Kane, yeah, Harry Kane scoring goals, whether it be with Spurs or Bayern Munich. That guy hasn't forgotten how to score goals. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, he is a freak in a, in a good way. Um, the goal he scored from the halfway line or inside his own half, incredible. So few players can actually pull that off. Um, David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, for instance, two that spring to mind have done it. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, you've got him, you've got, you see, for me, the weakness is Rashford at the minute. Um, his game has just gone to pieces. Um yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't select him. I wouldn't at this moment in time. I would not select him for the England squad for the Euro, European Championships. I don't. I don't think he makes the starting eleven. The starting eleven because you're not taking out Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I think Gareth Southgate trusts Bakayo Saka because he could literally play about eight different positions. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, that. And then who else could he pick? Well, he could pick Realish. He could pick Foden. He could pick. Uh, other guys, I mean, if England won four, two, three, one, maybe they could even start. I mean, James Madison's been the signing of the year for Spurs. Yeah, it's a shame that he got injured um, just before the international break, and he's out until January, I think it is. But he looks like a player who's been playing at Spurs for years and years and years. 
Um, and he really added that new dimension to the way that Tottenham have played. Okay, you've lost Harry Kane and all the goals that he brings to the team, but um, I think I said to you before the last time we spoke, getting rid of Harry Kane, not getting rid of Harry Kane, but selling Harry Kane allows the other players like Son and uh, um, whoever else, uh, Kulisevsky, for instance, and uh, Richarlison. I know he hasn't been scoring goals for fun, but it just it's it's like a burden off their shoulders. When Harry Kane was playing in the team, the first thing was we've got to get the ball to Harry Kane because he is the he is Tottenham. Now that he's gone, the others can sort of go, okay, well, I have to be more influential uh, on the team for the team. So um, I think that's why Tottenham have started so well. And that, that game against Chelsea, I mean, my God, one of the most bizarre games I have ever seen. Um, I've never seen a professional manager in a top league defend his half on the halfway line with nine men. It was funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> you saw you, you saw the Chelsea players running along the halfway line, and then as soon as the ball's played, you know, go into the Spurs half. Onto, you know, you've acres of space. And obviously, uh, uh, Nicholas, wasn't it? Um, scored a hat-trick against nine men. You know, I mean, that's just a rarity in itself. Um, it's bunkers game. Absolutely crazy. But... Um, yeah, I think to answer your question, uh, England definitely one of the favourites, um, along with France. I think France have still got a very strong, solid squad. Um, I was disappointed in their performance against Gibraltar. I think they could have perhaps scored more goals than the 14. That they <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That was another bet that I actually predicted. Um, France to win by more than five goals and Kylian Mbappe to score a hat-trick. So, um, yeah, that was another one that I can take credit for. But uh, <clears throat> France were there or thereabouts. Yeah, I think France won 14 now by my count. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 14. Yeah. I still think they could have scored 15, 16 maybe. But, you know, it was more like an NFL game, wasn't it, with Thanksgiving tomorrow and uh, three games on Thursday and one on Friday. It was like uh, it was an NFL score, wasn't it, 14 now. Yeah, almost, almost like the it would have been the first half score of the Chiefs that scoop and score against your Dolphins in Germany. Why are you bringing that up for? What, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you bringing that up for? Come on, sorry, sorry. Come on, <laughs> come on. I was just getting that out of my mind, and you bring it back up. But uh, no, uh, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the I'm getting the bad taste of the 49er game. 49er. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see, I didn't mention that. I didn't mention that. That's what friends do. They don't mention things like that. But no, um, both teams are looking good, Jacksonville and Miami. Um, I said to you in the pre well, it was actually about after the first week, maybe second week, that the AFC championship game could be against your boys and my boys. We shall see. Still a long way to go. If we lose at the Jets on Friday, uh, I'm going and hiding. That helmet will be um, binned. You can't lose to Tim Boyle, for God's sake. <laughs> I, do, I do have a theory on that, by the way, Dylan. Um, new quarterbacks coming into a game have, an, have a massive advantage because Miami has no tape to watch on Tim Boyle running that team for the Jets. That is why Joshua Dobbs did so well in his first game 
and um, uh, Bajan as well for Chicago, his first game. There was no tape, there was no video for the opposition to watch, so that's an advantage for these teams. Um, Tyler Bajan, wasn't it? So I'm just hoping that Tim Boyle doesn't have that surprise element to him on Friday and um, pulls off one of the shocks of the season, which it would be. And there's been a few. New England beating Buffalo, I think, didn't they? So, yeah, there's been a few shock results. But, uh, yeah, if we slip to that, then uh, I won't be happy. Don't you have a question for me? Uh, what would you like? On Premier League or NFL? Doesn't, doesn't matter. Oh, um, let's have a look. Um, who did Chelsea play this weekend? Newcastle. Oh, mm -hmm. are you confident? I wish we had played them before the international break because Newcastle looked like they were weak in some serious soil. Yeah, they were struggling, weren't they, for a time there? Um, yeah, they're like Tottenham, just gives them a chance to um regroup. Yeah, you're on a nice little run, aren't you? Three games undefeated. Um, all right. Scoring goals, which is always yeah. Chelsea's biggest problem right now, because yeah. guess what? Chelsea can have all the ball, all the creativity, score goals. You know, the 4-4 game, obviously, I wanted to win against Man City, but I love the will, the fight, and the never-say-die just kept coming after City, and, and it was just one of them games where, like, neither, where, like, neither team could stop anyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's a question for you. Who is the last Chelsea player to score against Newcastle? How far back do I have to? Oh, boy. I think I... How far back do I have to go? Not that far back. I've got a fun. I've got a funny. Is it a guy I should know? Oh yeah. Uh, Christian Pulisic. No. Oh. Is he still? Is he still employed by said team? No. Havertz, Kai Havertz. Yes. <clears throat> the the game at Chelsea last season finished 1-1, but do you know who scored for Chelsea that day? We've already mentioned him on this podcast. It wouldn't be Nicholas Jackson because he didn't play. Nope. Who would it have been? Shall I tell you? Yeah. Kieran Trippier on goal. <laughs> And then they beat you 1-0 at Newcastle. Um, and then March 2022, last year, Kai Havertz scored in the 89th minute in a 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge. Kai Havertz had a, had a feeling for 1-0 for goals. Sorry, what's that? Kai Havertz had a thing with 1-0 goals in big games. Mm -hmm. Well, when he scored goals, which wasn't very often, let's be honest. I can't believe Chelsea got what seventy million from from Arsenal. Ah, uh, how how is he worth seventy million and Haaland is worth fifty million? Can you explain that to me, please? 
because I, I can't get my head around it. One of them's got one of them's got a. I mean, Man City must have a deal with the Hans. Oh, are we going to get round to um, the financial fair play? Yeah. Yeah. My next question. You know, with Everton being deducted uh, 10, point, 10 points due to financial fair play, should the Premier League deduct Man City for potential FPP issues because it seems like everybody's been going after City. Well, I think you have to know what exactly these 115 charges are that are linked to Manchester City. Um, if they are as bad as Everton's, then yes, they have to be deducted points. Um, it's a very complicated situation because... I don't know if you saw the, the three teams that were relegated last season, uh, Leeds, Leicester, and I can't remember who the other one was. Southampton. No. Southampton. Um, they are threatening legal action against the league and Everton because, rightly so, um, if Everton cheated last season, which obviously they have because they've been deducted the points, um, could those three teams have stayed in the Premier League? It's a massive, massive uh, situation now. And where it ends, I mean, I remember years ago, um, West Ham signed Carlos Tevez. There was a whole furore about his signing. Uh, there was a third agent involved or something which breached the, the rules or something. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it, but... Um, Carlos Tevez scored the goal that kept West Ham in the Premier League and, re and relegated Sheffield United. And for years afterwards, Sheffield United took legal action uh, against West Ham. Um, now, obviously, after a certain point, it becomes redundant because this season has gone ahead. You can suddenly say at this stage, okay, yes, Chef uh, sorry, Southampton, Leicester or Leeds should have been should have avoided relegation because of what Everton did. So you, you can't start the season again. So it's just a mess. It's it's a mess. Um, unfortunately, Leicester, Leeds and Southampton suffered relegation when perhaps they shouldn't have because of what Everton did. Um, certainly Man City's cases, there's a, there's a massive case, well, there's 115 cases to answer to. And yeah, if they're as bad as the Everton case, then points will have to be deducted. You look at um, Serie A a few years ago, Juventus had, their, Juventus had their titles stripped from them and they were relegated to Serie B. So who knows? Who knows? It's a minefield. And I know this for a fact, the, uh, the lawyers and solicitors involved in this case will make a hell of a lot of money. I mean, uh, it seems like FPP is not going away anytime soon because seemingly England's got more money. And with and staying in the Premier League is worth a giant amount of money. I mean, two and a million. I mean, a player could be pulled for two and a million dollars. But the you imagine uh, who's the uh, last uh, Luton Town? Stay in the Premier League this year. That's a couple hundred million dollars in Luton's pay and Luton's kitty. Yep. I mean, uh, 
Luton have done very well so far in the Premier League. Um, probably better than many would have expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, their number one goal is to stay in the Premier League. But even if they get relegated, they are going to um, get parachute payments for three seasons, um, which will help them climb back out of the Championship. That's why you see so many yo-yo clubs. Um, you know, you're in the Premier League, you get relegated, but you still got a lot of money coming in from the Premier League time. So you get back up again and so on and so forth. Um, so staying in the Premier League, getting in the Premier League means so much to so many clubs. And it's it leaves a bitter taste if Everton are still in this season's Premier League after doing wrong last season and the season before and the season before. Um, everybody knew during COVID, what you could do and what you couldn't do, how much you could lose or gain, you know, make financially. And there was a sort of barrier, there was a boundary that you couldn't go over. And Everton exceeded that and therefore had to be punished. And But it's no good to Leeds, Leicester or Southampton who are now playing in the championship. And there's no guarantee that those three teams, two teams or even one of them will get out of the championship you know, this season. Yes, Leicester are doing very well. Leeds are doing very well. Southampton are fourth. The other, you know, Leeds and Leicester are first and third maybe at this moment in time. So it's looking good at this moment in time. I'm guessing the Premier League will hope that those three teams will win the way back in the Premier League. So the financial implications aren't suffered long term for those three teams. It's only one season out of the, 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 the Premier League when really they shouldn't have been out of it at all if they were affected by what... Everton did, which they did. Yeah, and then City might be a whole new case because then you stripped them from Champions League. Do you ball them from any European competition or whatever? Well, they flirted with this in the past. UEFA were very close to kicking them out of the Champions League a couple of seasons ago. So if they haven't learned their lesson by now, um, they've only themselves to blame. But I'm not a solicitor. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the full ins and outs of what's, what these 115 charges are. Um, but it doesn't look good for them. It doesn't look good for them. And yeah, they'll have to perhaps strip the uh, the, the treble from them if if that's uh, necessary. You know, if they lose the Premier League titles that they've won, then so be it. Speaking of Premier League, one... Uh, can one of Arsenal or Liverpool unseat Man City as Premier League champs this year? Yes. Um, either. Either could. Um, you know, Man City have, you know, we spoke about it before, Kevin De Bruyne. We still don't know when he's due to come back from injury. Um, usually they say no news is good news, but I think no news in this case is bad news because... <sighs> After this length of time, you'd like to think, yeah, he's two weeks away, he's four weeks away, he's, he's whatever. But we're not hearing anything of that, <clears throat> which makes me believe that it might be a more serious injury than first was first thought. Um, Arsenal, they have the burning motivation after missing out last season to go further this year. Um, have they got a better squad? Yes, probably they do from last season. Certainly Declan Rice. Um, I think... When we spoke before the season started, you asked me which signing would be the most influential. I think I said Declan Rice, and you know I'm I'm, I'm happy with my selection at this moment in time. I think he's 
solidified that midfield for Arsenal. And <clears throat> yeah, I think they could go a long way. Um, listen, there's a lot of football left to play. Um, these financial charges that are hanging over Manchester City, if that drags into the second half of this season, you know, and there's a chance that they could be deducted X amount of points or whatever, that sort of plays on your mind, your psyche, whatever. Um, and Man City will still want to do the, you know, win the FA Cup and the, the Champions League as well. So as will Arsenal, but I think from Arsenal's point of view, if they won the league, um, that will be their number one priority. And it will give them the belief that in future seasons, they can then go on and challenge for the Champions League, etc. cetera. Uh, Liverpool, most of that squad won the title a couple of seasons ago. Um, the midfield is completely, uh, it's a new midfield, basically. Um, younger by a considerable way. Um, so, yeah, they've got a squad. You know, anytime you've got Virgil van Dijk and Alisson in goal and Mo Salah up front um, scoring goals, you know, um, you've got um, the other strikers as well scoring goals. And, you know, it's, it's a solid-looking uh, Liverpool team, and I think they could go a long way as well. If you had asked me this, this time last year, I would have said Man City are definitely going to win the league. I can't say that with that certainty this year. Yeah, Man City's not quite. I mean, not having Morris, of course, they City signed uh, the Belgian playmaker Doc Doku. Yeah, Doku's played well. Yeah, but uh, I the biggest question for Arsenal and Liverpool: how will the how will those sides handle the European EPO seasons? Because we've seen. Also, as Gabriel Jesus basically be a walking injury for Arsenal and and for Liverpool, you know those Thursday Sunday turnarounds are always fun. Yeah, but I think I think if I was Liverpool, if I was Jurgen Klopp, I would continue with what he's doing. They're in the Europa League. That's not number one priority for him this season. He he makes so many changes for the Europa League games, but they're still doing well, and that's good because it keeps the likes of the French players active. Um, and if he if he needs them, you know, he can call on them. But if he got knocked out of the Europa League in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals, so what? If they're second in the league, two points behind Man City or Arsenal or even top of the league, they'll just focus then on winning the league. Um, I think both teams as well, if they are where they are now, second and third in the league or first and second, whatever it is, in January, I think the owners are quite right to sort of say, okay, do you need a striker? Here's some money to buy a striker to get us over the edge and provide those 10 goals in the second half of the season to um, to make us champions again. Or maybe that extra defender. Yeah, possibly. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, I think Liverpool could probably do with a... I think possibly both teams could do with a defender and a striker. Just to sort of keep the pressure on Arsenal, uh, sorry, Manchester City. By the way, how about this week? How about to start this weekend, Liverpool, Man City? Yes, I'm sure both managers will be delighted to be setting their alarms early on Saturday morning after the international break and, you know, checking, checking their phone to see if their uh, South American players got back, you know. On time, checking flight radar or whatever it is to check the flight seven four nine eight three from um, 
from Rio de Janeiro has landed on time or whatever. But that's what you get when you sign players from South America, Africa, whatever. When these tournaments come along, you know that you're going to lose them for a period of time. And international breaks are always a risk because you just don't know if they're going to come back on time. I mean, um, it's just a part of football. When you sign a player, you have to know who they play for internationally. And um, that could affect your plans for this weekend. I mean, for instance, you know, all international managers now are just sort of waiting for the medical team to assess the players who are coming back and going, yeah, he's fit, he's all right, he's all right. Yeah, but if a doubt with so-and-so's hamstring, you know, I'd, I'd start him on the bench. You don't know that until possibly Wednesday night or Thursday morning or even Thursday afternoon when the players come back to the base, to the facility. So it's difficult for managers, but hey, they get paid well enough for it. I don't feel too sorry for them. But yeah, great game to start off with. Um, it should be a cracker. Who's your money on? Who would you? Who do you think's going to win that? I think I like. I think I like goals in that game. I'm not exactly sure because I mean, guys, teams coming back from the international break. I think I think we'll see a fair few goals. Cities, City gave up four to Chelsea before the international break, so I think we'll be in for some goals on Saturday. Yeah, um, I hope so. Five goals in each of the last two meetings. Um, Four-one in the league, three-two in the um, league cup um, at Anfield in the league in October last year. It was one-nil to Liverpool. Um, but yeah, it's difficult because first game back after the international break. I know we joked earlier about the travel expense, uh, travel for these players. It might feel a bit leggy for them. They might have a bit of fatigue. Um, so. Yeah, it might be a slow starter, um, but hopefully we do get goals. By the way, I do have one more question for you. The Miami Dolphins playing the first NFL first NFL Black Friday game. The Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium on Friday. The New York Jets? Sorry, the Miami Dolphins will beat the New York Jets what? On Black Friday. Yeah. What's the question? Will the Miami Dolphins oh. beat the New York Jets on Black Friday? They have to. They have to. Look, the three the three losses we've had so far this year have been against good teams. Kansas City, Buffalo, and Philadelphia. We deserve to lose those. We deserved to lose those games. If we lose to the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium with Tim Boyle, quarterback for the Jets. I don't know. I'll be That will be a real dampener on my whole weekend. Um, um, yeah, that's the thing. Because it's played on a Friday, you've got all Saturday and Sunday, you know, to sort of stew on it. And uh, it, it won't be a good loss if we lose. We will win. We will. We will win. Be in your house if that happened. Yes, it's it. Um, I don't even want to think about it. Can we? Can we move on to another subject, please? No. <laughs> that's all I've got. No, that's all I've got. <laughs> Thanks for hopping on, Charlie. Hopefully, your dolphins can uh, make your Black Friday happy. We get lots of goals, lots of points, lots of excitement. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, hopefully uh, 
your bets work out, and we get like a 10-10 City Liverpool game this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, instead of a Black Friday, I hope it's a Green Friday, but then I realized the Jets wear green as well. So let's just say Aqua and Green Friday. Um, Dylan, thank you for having me on. And like I said before, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, all your subscribers and viewers.